Welcome to That and a Dollar, the podcast that thinks this is all coming from a different direction. I'm a guy named Chuck. What I like to do is pick a topic and dive in with some fun pop culture examples. My hope is to share my thoughts and provide some insight into some of my favorite franchises out there. I hope to give you some movies or shows you may not have seen, or at the very least, remind you of some of those forgotten gems. I like sharing things I like and maybe shed a little light on why I like it so much. I always love to hear people talk about things that they like, even if they're not my favorites. If I watch a movie and I do not like it, I always try to get back and rewatch it down the road, just in case the movie was good and it was me and where I was. With respect to shows, I like to give a minimum of three episodes before I decide to continue. I also, uh, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at, at that and a dollar. Feel free to check that out. If you'd like to keep this one-man operation flying, please feel free to leave a tip at buy, buymeacoffee.com slash that and a dollar. Or you can check out our new store at cafepress.com slash that and a dollar. Who doesn't love a good gimmick? I love a good gimmick. I'm a sucker for 3D movies. Anything that can pull me in more, I love. With television, it's a little tough to do. I love when TV episodes do that POV thing, uh, that point of view thing. You know, uh, something happens and everyone seems to tell a different version of the story, obviously making themselves look great and everyone else was a buffoon. I love it. When I was a kid, I thought this was the best thing you could do. So here are five episodes that are point of view. MASH was a popular American television series that originally aired from 1972 to 1983. Uh, the show was set during the Korean War and follows the staff of a mobile army surgical hospital, MASH, get it, as they work to save the lives of soldiers injured in battle. The show is known for its unique blend of comedy and drama, as well as realistic portrayal of the harsh realities of war. It tackled many serious topics such as horrors of war, uh, the impact of violence on the human psyche, and the emotional toll that uh, serving in a war zone can take on individuals. The cast was a wonderful group of comedic actors, far too many to name here, but I will list a few from the episode. First up, Jamie Farr. He plays Klinger. You know him from uh, the Cannonball Run movies. Uh, Klinger was a cross-dressing corporal trying to get out of the army. Even though he did not want to be there, he always seemed to do his job the best he could. This puzzled me as a kid. Now, Gary Bergdorf played Radar O'Reilly, reprising his role from the movie. I'm pretty sure he's the only one that was in both the movie and the show. Radar seemed to know what was needed before it was needed. He was the company clerk. Um, and took care of just about everything that made the camp run. Now, you'll know him from the movie MASH, as well as uh, episodes of Chips and Wonder Woman. He was also a regular on Match Game, if you remember that, Jim. I always loved the character of Charles Winchester III. He was this sort of stuffed shirt from Boston, knew everything, and was clearly a man of means. I also loved the episodes that showed he had real heart as well. Uh, I think this is where I learned not to judge a book by its cover. Yes, most of the time he deserved what he got, but on a few rare occasions, uh, we learned he was actually human. Played wonderfully by David Ogden Stiers, who you might know from uh, Perry Mason TV movies, as well as voice work in Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and Pocahontas. Also, he had an appearance on Star Trek The Next Generation. Loretta Swit played Marger, Major Margaret Houlihan, uh, hot lips. She was in charge of the nurses and was a uh, real by the book kind of character. She put up with some of the nonsense from the docs, but she was about patient care. If you were sick, you wanted her nearby. She did episodes of uh, Murder She Wrote, some after school specials, and she was in the movie Beer. The camp's leader in the later episodes fell to Colonel Potter. He was the grandfather type, but could crack the whip when needed. 
He was uh, lovable, but definitely in charge of this group. You could tell he cared a lot about those who he served with. Uh, you'll know Harry Morgan from Inherit the Wind, The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again, and Dragnet. Now, that's both the TV show uh, from the 60s as well as the movie from the 80s with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Mike Farrell played B.J. Honeycutt, the heart of the wild dachshund camp. He showed that he cared. He It was... It was not hidden by crazy antics, not that he didn't get into his fair share of goofball capers. Um, you'll know him from the voice of Jonathan Kent in Superman, the animated series. He was also in Patch Adams. Now, the clear leader of the docks, practical joker extraordinaire, Hawkeye, played by Alan Alda. He plays like a Groucho Marx type. A lot of one-liners uh, used to crack me up as a kid. I think I actually based part of my personality on this character. Uh, he cared. He just wanted to be anywhere else in the world but the Korean War. You'll know Alan Alda from episodes of The West Wing, as well as the TV show ER, as well as a great psychological thriller, Whispers in the Dark. This is one that I highly recommend. If you've not seen it, find it. Whispers in the Dark, great movie. Now, let's talk about the POV episode. It's season seven, episode 10, and it's actually titled POV. Now, this one's different from the others on the list. Um, as you're the patient, it starts with you, the camera on patrol, uh, you're shot and off we go. The entire episode is shot from the point of view of the viewer from being wounded all the way to discharge. The episode works. We still get all the side stories and antics you expect from a MASH episode, but it is all done with a single camera. Absolutely wonderful from a show that you would expect nothing less from. Uh, you land at the 4077 where BJ does your intake. Radar and Klinger load you on the Jeep to be hauled down to the OR. Uh, we get banter from the doctors in the OR before you're put under. Hawkeye checks in on you. We hear side conversations and other things happening in the camp. There's even a sponge bath scene with Hot Lips herself. Uh, they never break POV for anything. Start to finish, you are the patient. If you want to see this or any episodes of MASH, you're going to need to head over to Hulu. Happy Days, Fonzie Gets Shot. Now, Happy Days was an American television sitcom that aired from 74 to 84, set in the 1950s. Uh, the show followed the lives of the Cunningham family and their friends in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The main character, Richie Cunningham, was a teenager uh, who hangs out with his best friend, Potsy Weber, and the cool, confident Arthur Fonzie Fonzarelli. Uh, Fonzie, who was initially started as a minor character, eventually became one of the show's most iconic and beloved characters. The show explores the everyday challenges and adventures of adolescence in the 1950s, such as dating, school, and friendships, as well as societal issues of the time like the Civil Rights Movement and the Vietnam War. Happy Days had uh, two spinoffs, Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy. I loved all three of these shows when I was a kid. Uh, the episode I'm talking about is Season 8, Episode 15, Fonzie Gets Shot. This occurs late in the run of the show. Uh, it is a contained episode and takes place at Potsy's uncle's cabin. I think I'm getting that right. Anyway, uh, we're in a cabin in the woods for much of the episode. On our trip is Fonzie, obviously, his cousin Chachi, Potsy Weber, and Roger Phillips. Now, Roger Phillips was played by Ted McGinley, who you know from Married with Children and Revenge of the Nerds. He was a college professor that they brought in late in the run of the show. He befriended the Cunninghams and Fonzie. Now, Scott Bayo plays Chachi. That's going to be Fonzie's younger cousin. Uh, he was brought in as a sort of a Minzy, mini Fonz, I guess. Um, been so long since I watched this one. Uh, they do try to transition him to more of a Richie character. I guess the cast was aging out of high school, so they needed to add new high school characters as the rest of them were off at college or something. Now, you know Scott Bayo was also in Sea Dad Run, Cursed, and Zap. 
Patsy Weber was uh, one of Richie's friends from the beginning of the show. He's played by Anson Williams. You know him from Happy Days. Uh, he did an episode of Fantasy Island, Boy Meets World, the remake of The Odd Couple, The Fonz, eh? Uh, the man who inspired a generation to always try to fix it by hitting it firmly first. Fonzie was the cool greaser from the 50s. He played by Henry Winkler. Over the course of the show, he went from borderline criminal uh, to I think he was actually a teacher for a while. Uh, played wonderfully by Henry Winkler, who you know from a ton of things. Uh, but we're just going to list Night Shift with Michael Keaton, Waterboy, uh, and Arrested Development. So what happens in the episode? Truer to the POV episodes we see in comedies, Fonzie gets shot. I mean, it's in the title. Everybody has uh, their tell to tell. Uh, Fonzie's version has Potsy doing the shooting while acting like a fool, playing with his uncle's hunting rifle. So Fonzie is insistent, was he any other way, uh, that Potsy should be locked up. According to the Fonz, all he was trying to do was help, help Chachi study. Chachi, of course, was having none of that. Uh, we see the story unfold as Fonzie tells it. Fonzie is nothing but the helpful cousin doing everything he can to make life perfect so Chachi can study for his college board exams. And of course, uh, for this, Potsy shoots him from behind. Now, next we get Chachi's version. In this version, Chachi is the saint doing nothing but studying and trying to please his older cousin. Of course, his older cousin, Fonzie, is being nothing but unreasonable. Uh, nothing but studying happens and nothing else. There's a knock at the door. We get a cute girl throwing a party. Now, in Fonzie's story, the cute girl was interested in him. In Chachi's story, she's interested in Chachi. Always love these sort of running gags. Once again, Potsy gets his uncle's gun uh, for hunting. Then a shove pushes Potsy off screen and shots fired and Fonzie is hit. Our final story comes from Roger, who tells the real story. Uh, he reveals Fonzie is overbearing and pushing the study issue. Chachi is trying to study, but not too much. You know how kids are. Once again, we get the knock at the door, the girl throwing the party. Of course, this time she is interested in Roger. Roger turns her down. He has to, uh, you know, keep Chachi and Fonzie from killing each other. Potsy once again emerges with the hunting rifle. The struggle ensues as Potsy is pushed back. This time we see that he knocks an old pistol that was hanging above the fireplace down, and that gun goes off, not the rifle. Of course, the payoff to our running gag is the girl who appears in each of the stories actually interested in Potsy. I think if you can find some episodes of this over at Paramount Plus at last check, uh, always loved Happy Days. I might have to do a rewatch of that. Next up, we've got Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, this is an animated comedy series set in the Star Trek universe. The show follows the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships, the USS Cerritos, in the year 2380. The main characters are Ensign Mariner, Boimler, Rutherford, and Tindy, who are all eager to prove themselves as they deal with their own personal and professional challenges while performing their duties on the ship. Mariner is an experienced but rebellious officer who frequently finds herself in trouble due to her unconventional methods. Boimler is this sort of by-the-book officer who is eager to climb the ranks and follow all the rules, but struggles with the realities of life on ship. Rutherford is a half-cyborg engineer who is constantly upgrading his implants, and Tindy is, the, is a new medical officer who is excited to explore new alien species. Now, in Season 1, Episode 8, Veritas, each of the crew members will tell their version of the events on a specific date and about a specific mission. We start with all four crew members locked in a cell of some kind. Uh, the floor slowly raises them to a uh, main area for testimony. The area is mostly hidden in shadow. 
Uh, this clearly is meant to look like an alien trial of some sort. We start off with testimony from Mariner, played by Tawny Newsom, who you know from Space Force, Twilight Zone, and Superstore, giving her account of the day. Of course, our heroes did not hear the initial red alert, so they're sneaking onto the bridge and faking their way through this red alert. This does not sit well with our prosecutor, for lack of a better phrasing, and he contemns her to uh, the tank of contempt, a giant tank filled, filled with eels. Of course, he halts this to hear more testimony. Next up is Rutherford, played by Eugene Cordero, you know from The Good Place, Kong Skull Island, and Loki. Of course, they keep updating his implants, which leaves these giant holes in his memory throughout his testimony. Now, I did mention this is a comedy Star Trek, right? And it plays well. As we jump into the middle of each segment with no idea what's happening at each turn. So we come to and a group of Vulcans have all been nerve pinched and laying on the ground when we black out again. Next, we arrive in a museum trying to steal a bird of prey. Rutherford distracts the guards with a fan dance and then we black out again. Then we come to in the middle of space, just standing in space. Then it's revealed we are on the outer hall of a cloaked bird of prey. Next, we come to during a Gorn wedding. Twice! Uh, then we return to the trial where Rutherford is now threatened with the eel tank. Next is Tindy's testimony. Tindy is voiced by Noelle Wells. You know her from Craig of the Creek. This is the case of mistaken identity. She's the cleaner for the mission. Of course, she was just assigned to clean the conference room. Since the mission is classified, her testimony is heavily bleeped and redacted. Uh, characters have black bars over their eyes. Some of the words are bleeped. Turns out Tindy is actually kind of a badass as she beats up several guards on the mission to save the team. Boimler, played by Jack Quaid from The Boys, Scream, and The Hunger Games, finally lets loose on how no one on lower decks are as informed as you would think. Bridge crew tends to keep information to themselves. However, he does exclaim that senior officers do what they think is best in each situation, even though... They may not have any idea what is happening, like when Q shows up. Uh, I'm going to stop here because the episode does have a great reveal at the end, and I do not want to ruin it. Lower Decks, um, it's a nice half-hour comedy in the Star Trek universe. You can find episodes over at Paramount+. Plus. All right, this episode is the one that inspired me to do this list. Uh, I loved this as a kid and thought it was probably one of the funniest episodes I had seen even though it was so serious in nature as well. I'm talking about Different Strokes, Season 6, Episode 3, Rashomon 2. Now, I know there was a film who followed this sort of format called Rashomon. Never seen it. Um, it was from the 50s, I think. Uh, told the story of multiple from multiple multiple perspectives, if I can speak. I'm guessing this is where Tarantino got the idea to edit Pulp Fiction the way the, that he did. Separate stories that have some intertwining bits. Now, the show centered around two African-American boys, Willis and Arnold, who come to live with Mr. Drummond and his daughter, Kimberly, after their mother passes away. The mother had worked for Mr. Drummond for years, and he took them in after her passing. The show was a half-hour comedy and commonly took on heavy social issues. All you got to do is find someone from Gen X and say to them, bike shop, and watch them cringe just a little. If you know, you know. This episode centers around a robbery in the Drummond penthouse apartment. The burglar breaks in through the balcony. Always wondered about that one. They were so high up. How did he get there? Anyway, a robber is played by Terry Kaiser, who you know from Six Pack, Friday the 13th Part 7, and Weekend at Bernie's. While he's robbing the place, Kimberly, Dana Plato from the game Night Trap, Willis, Todd Bridges, uh, who you know from Roots and Everybody Hates Chris, as well as Arnold, 
Gary Coleman, who you know from On the Right Track, Dirty Work, and Buck Rogers, return from the movies and interrupt him. They hear noises and think it's just the cleaning lady, Pearl, that's Mary Jo Catlett from Let's Be Cops, SpongeBob Movie, and Benchwarmers. But of course, it's not her as she emerges from the kitchen area. Willis goes to see what the noise was that they heard. The burglar pulls a gun on the kids and gathers them together. Next, we get Mr. Drummond, that's Conrad Conrad Bain from Maud, Dark Shadows, and Bananas, who returns home from his date, and now he's held at gunpoint with everyone else. Now, the burglar is trying to get the location of the safe from everyone. Once he finds it, Mr. Drummond begins to open the safe. Pearl begins to have a panic attack. For some reason, he allows Pearl and Kimberly to go to the kitchen to find a paper bag to help her because Pearl is hyperventilating. This is where we hear the gunshot from the other room. Like I said, for a half-hour comedy, the show does get pretty heavy. Now, the police show up, and each of the characters tells their story. First up is Mr. Drummond. He tells how he foiled the burglar with his plan. He stayed cool because of his military training. While the kids were scared, he used his watch as a distraction and knocks out the burglar while everyone else was too scared to move. Next, we have Willis, who tells his version. Yep, you guessed it. Everyone is scared except Willis. Now, Willis goes through some options of what could have, what he could have done. Uh, Mr. Drummond drops his watch and misses his punch. Thankfully, Willis is there to knock out the burglar. Next, we get Arnold's version. Care to guess how this goes? Yeah, you're right. Arnold is the hero. Everyone else is useless. I'm going to stop here as this does play out the way you think it does. Uh, if you want to see this, it is over at Amazon Prime with a subscription. I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you've not seen this, go to Disney Plus right now and see it. I'll wait. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a television series that follows the adventures of a team of agents from the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, S.H.I.E.L.D., a secret government agency that deals with threats of national and global security. The series takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and is set after the events of the Avengers. The show focuses on Agent Phil Coulson, played by Clark Gregg, who you know from the MCU, New Adventures of Old Christine, and the movie Choke, uh, who is resurrected after his death in the Avengers. Now, he leads a team of agents, including a skilled hacker, Sky, played by Chloe Bennett, who you'll know from Nashville, Abominable, and Valley Girl. Field agents Melinda May, Ming-Na Wen, who was in Mulan, Final Fantasy, Spirits Within, and Street Fighter. Uh, Grant Ward, played by Brett Dalton. He is in the game Until Dawn. Uh, also was in Beside Still Waters and Lost in Florence. Now there's engineer Leo Fitz, Ian Decay Sticker, who you will recognize from Overlord, Not Another Happy Ending, and Lost River, and a biochemist, Gemma Simmons, played by Elizabeth Hinstridge from Wolves at the Door. Now the team faces a variety of threats, including shadowy organization known as Hydra, powerful alien artifacts, and dangerous individuals uh, with superhuman abilities. The show ran... Uh, for seven seasons from 2013 to 2020, it started trying to be separate from the MCU, but once they linked to the MCU, uh, events uh, got really good, and as the show ran, it got better every season. A standout episode from season one is episode 13, Tracks. Very similar to the rest of the shows on the list, obviously. It is a little different in that it's not a retelling of what happened, but rather the episode unfolds with each point of view being our first run-through. We start off with Agent Coulson essentially trying to track down an unknown package being delivered to Ian Quinn, one of our bad guys. Uh, We're not sure what is in the package, but we need to get to it before it gets to Quinn. As Coulson tracks the package to the back of the train, 
We see Grant Ward come running towards him saying, they know we're here. The two jump from the train and a bad guy throws a device at them and we cut to commercial. Okay, in the original airing, we cut to commercial, but it's a hard cut here. Next, we see the events unfold from Grant Ward's point of view. He is disguised as a steward on the train. Uh, he's asked by a passenger for help, but this is an ambush. There's this wonderful fight scene in a tiny sleeper room. I love these fights in really small spaces. They feel so much more frenetic. Um, he comes out on top, obviously, and warns Simmons, they know we're here. He tries to get to Coulson, but as he's running toward him, we see the end of the scene from before playing out. However, this time, we see a little more. Uh, it appears that the train has disappeared, vanished into thin air, to which Coulson responds, that's harder than you'd think. Uh, they pick up what's left of the device that was thrown at them and make their way uh, through this sort of grove orchard just off camera. They find a vehicle that has clearly already been hotwired back at the bus. That's what they call the plane. We get the arrival of a local uh, official who is killed by May before he can say anything. Again, this is a hard cut point. I like how this episode continuously makes you wonder what is happening. Next, we get May's point of view. She's tracking the package from above the train. Inside the train, Simmons uh, has made a scene with Coulson and dumped what we think are the ashes of her mo dead mother uh, by accident onto our bad guys. She's actually using the powder to track our bad guys. Now, I just want to take a moment here to point out there's a lot of argument as to whether Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon or not. For my money, this scene makes it canon. Simply put, we get a cameo from the man himself, Stan Lee. If Stan Lee shows up, I think we have to say it's canon. Of course, what do I know? All right, May on the roof of the train is now being shot at, so she throws a small parachute that glides her off the train and onto the ground. She then sees Coulson and Ward frozen in position on the ground, realizing she can't do anything to help. She moves through the grove from before, to uh, look for transport to help move them. She hotwires a truck, yes, that truck, at which point our Italian official captures her and hauls her off for torture and questioning and interrogation while the truck is still running behind her, right? Uh, I'm going to leave this here as it is a great episode and it does so much for season one and even sets up bigger events down the road. Like I said, if you want to see this, trust me, you want to see this, it is over at Disney+. Plus. I cannot recommend this series enough. Um, there it is, my list of five point of view episodes. Did I miss yours? Let me know on social media with the hashtag that and a dollar podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at that and a dollar. We're also on Instagram at, at a underscore guy underscore named underscore Chuck. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook group, that and a dollar podcast. If you want to support further episodes, please leave a tip at buy me a coffee slash that and a dollar. Uh, as always, I'm a guy named Chuck, and that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee.